Hey everybody, it's Doug Bursch and you're listening to Fairly Spiritual. So all the spiritual activity we do, these pursuing of visions and dreams, doing work for the kingdom of God, what if uh, everything you did brought you zero fame and zero gain? Zero notoriety, none, no more honor, no praise, nothing from anyone around you. Would you still do it? Would I still do this podcast? We'll talk about zero fame and zero gain on today's Fairly Spiritual. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through, but you've spoken. Welcome back to Fairly Spiritual. I am Doug Bursch, your host, and today we're going to talk about zero fame and zero gain, uh, something I'm an expert at. Now, I want to get at the concept of why we do what we do, but first, uh, let me welcome our studio audience. So uh, here we go. Uh, Welcome to the Fairly Spiritual Show. Ah, Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thanks. Thank you. Please sit down. Please. Please, that's enough. You're embarrassing me. No, no, no. Please, please, that's enough. Seriously, we have a. We gotta. Come on, we gotta wrap things up. Got a show to do here. Thank you so much. Okay, now everyone, just stay quiet for the rest of the show. Don't laugh. Don't make any noise for the rest of the show. So anyway, uh, <laughs> fame. Yes, it's something that. Uh, here's here's the thing. Uh, I don't trust someone who says things like, oh, I don't care if I get any credit. I just, as long as Jesus gets all the glory. I, I get a little nervous about people who just completely talk in altruistic motives, who just say that they, you know, they have no pride, they have no need for any kind of ego boosting at all. Now, I know those people exist. We have a few people that come to mind where you'll meet someone and you go, this person can't possibly be that nice. And and they are. And I'm glad God has made those people. Uh, I, I know my wife is someone who just doesn't care about position or prestige. Uh, she's the kind of person where, uh, here, this is how I'm going to introduce her. Uh, Jennifer was an ICU nurse uh, for a a few years before she has committed herself basically to full-time ministry. Uh, Now, I use the term right, ICU, nurse. And I would also say she was an RN. Uh, Now, there's different kinds of nurses, uh, you know, different things you do. She She could have been a nurse, let's say, in an office. There's nothing wrong with different kinds of being a nurse. She could be an LPN versus an RN. There's different kinds of schooling you have to take. Well, for me... I would introduce her 
with what I think would be the most impressive way, like ICU. Those are really serious cases. That's like super nursing. And then RN, you have to go to school more. You know, those are a little bit more qualified nurses. That's how I would introduce my wife. If you asked her, uh, you know, when, when she was a nurse or what did you used to do? She would use the least, you know, bragging terms. She wouldn't even think of those terms. She'd just say, well, what do you do? She goes, I'm a nurse. She, she wouldn't even think about that. So there are people like that. But there's also people you've been around who say stuff like, oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not worried about the praise of others. But you look at them and you kind of think they're living that way. You kind of think you seem to be living like you're concerned about the praise of others. So on today's show, I want to talk about this. Uh, would you minister or how would you minister or how would you live or how would you pursue the things of God if there was no gain? if there was no fame, if there was no benefit but Jesus. To do this, I want to look at a scripture that I think we often, I shouldn't say often, I just think we don't see this scripture in its full weight. And it's the story of the widow, well, it's often called the widow's might, but it's the story where Jesus is in the temple and he calls the disciples to him. And he says, I want you to see something. And he points to this widow giving an offering. And the offering is basically all that she has. So uh, open your Bibles or your iPhones or whatever you do to carry around the Word of God. Uh, pull over to the side of the road if you're listening to this podcast in your car or if you're listening while you're biking. Uh, I don't want you to get injured. By the way, if you do get injured, while listening to the podcast, I am not liable. Uh, that's in the fine print. But anyway, go to Mark 12, 38, and we're going to read a little scripture here. This is the widow's offering. Now, what I want you to see is that uh, in the context of the Gospel of Mark, this story takes place in a very important place in the scripture. It's basically the last teaching that Jesus gives before we get into the crucifixion narrative. After this, there's going to be stories that he gives about the end times, and then there's going to be stories about him being anointed uh, for the crucifixion. But this is the last just kind of general teaching. And, and really, it's not just a general teaching, but it's basically the turning point in his ministry. It's the final, I've made my decision, I know what I need to do, I've heard the Father's voice, it's time for us to move forward and for this passion narrative, the narrative of the cross, the narrative of this old structure, this religious structure to be torn down, and a new one to rise up in its place. This is the story of the widow's offering. And often we will take this story out of the context of Scripture, and we'll just tell a story about how we need to give, not out of our abundance, but out of our poverty to God. Now, certainly, that is a story, but it's a much bigger story in this context. It is basically the culmination of everything that Jesus, or much of what Jesus has been talking about, with what is wrong with the current religious system that is happening in the temple and that is happening with Israel. So let me read the scripture here. Just before this, Jesus has spent a bit of time rebuking the scribes. And he's rebuked the scribes in just this kind of rapid-fire drop the mic, oh no you didn't, I can't believe you just said this, where, in, and I'll just quickly do this here, 
He says, beware of the scribes. And he says this earlier, just in verse 38. He says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes. And so that idea is they had these prayer robes, these prayer shawls, they had little tassels on the bottom. Like they walked around in these long robes to show, you know, how prayerful we are, how religious we are. Clearly, everything they were doing is, was to gain honor. The idea is look at about how honorable we are. This is an honor-shame culture. We don't know as much about that in America. We're not really an honor-shame culture. We're much more about just get money, get power, get fame. Uh, in the New Testament era, that is an honor-shame culture, much more like uh, you would see even in the Islamic world today. It's all about honoring someone's name or shaming someone's name. It's about gaining honor or losing honor or gaining shame, and it's very hard to lose shame in that culture. <clears throat> so they have this group where where these scribes, he says, beware of them, because everything they do is to try to gain honor, but it's a fake honor. There's nothing really honorable in what they do. And he says, beware. He goes, they like to walk around in these long robes, you know, these, the, these prayer robes. They like to be greeted in the marketplaces. So clearly they're showing off. You, you, you're looking at them as they walk through and go, look at that guy. He sure thinks he's somebody. You know, he's, Jesus is speaking to the crowds who are tired of these religious people who show off their religiosity, who look so great to everyone, but even you know the common man or woman is like, I can't believe that guy. Look at him. Putting on airs is the kind of term, right? They love to be greeted in the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogue. You know, in the synagogue, some people sat on the floor, but there was the best place in the synagogue was facing the people up in the front in a nice chair. And that's where the scribes got to be. You know, that place of honor in their nice beautiful robes, smiling at everyone, showing how religious they were. He said they love to have the best place in the synagogue. They don't even have to show up early. You know, the place is reserved for them. Again, they're treated special and honorable. He goes, they also have the best place or the place of honor at the feast. So they're, they're right up in the front. They're the honored guests. They get the best food. Again, treated better than everyone else. Then he goes on, he says, who devour widows' houses which is an interesting context, and at least it says this, it, it, Jesus is saying this, that instead of taking care of widows, you're actually taking money from widows that is either keeping it so they can't afford their houses, or in some cases, you're actually convincing them to sell their houses and give the money to uh, helping with the ministry of the temple or helping with the support of the scribes. And this is very important to see this. This comes right before what Jesus is about to say. He says the widows are actually, their houses are being devoured to help support the lifestyle of the scribes, of these religious leaders. When we should be taking care of the widows, the widows are actually taking care of the scribes. Their houses are actually being devoured for the scribes. So whatever's happening there, and I could go into some detail of what people think it is, the main issue is instead of protecting the houses of a widow who doesn't have any you know, real, real support, financial support in this culture, they're actually taking the one thing that maybe that widow has and they're using it to support the temple. Does that make sense? Or to support uh, the money, or to support the living of the scribes. He says, who devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers. So Jesus says, these scribes, they're just making prayers to look religious. They're phony prayers, just a pretense. They do long prayers to show how religious they are, but I don't even know if they're praying to me. You know, they're just doing religious stuff. Then he says, they will receive greater condemnation. That's about as strong of a statement as you can say. And that's just one right after another. If you just read it without me giving that, you know, I gave a little 
well, not a little, a lot of commentary in between there. He says, beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplace and have the best seats in the synagogue and the place of honor at feast who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. You can see everyone with their mouths open going, I can't believe he just put that list together. And at this point, no one is challenging Jesus' teachings because he has a great amount of authority. The religious leaders are afraid of him and the people are excited about what Jesus is saying. So after saying this, he's in the temple. And just earlier in the temple, he has turned over tables. And he's in the temple again, and no one's saying, hey, you got to get out of here. Remember when you turned over these tables? No, he's in the temple, and no one's bothering him. And he's watching what's going on. So this is what he says after he's just rebuked the scribes while he's in the temple. Let's look at this. Verse 41. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money in the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums. And a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. So everyone in this room, this poor widow has put in more. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Now, many people stop right there, but let's continue on. And he came out of the temple. See, this should be connected to what just happened. He's in the temple. He just says, this widow has contributed all that she has. And then it says, and he came out of the temple. And one of his disciples said to him, look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. Remember how earlier... Jesus had said, these scribes, they devour the houses of widows. Here we have a disciple going, look at this temple with this beautiful stone, this wonderful building. And Jesus said to him, do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. There's something going on here that is far more than just a sermon about we need to give our best to Jesus. If I see this picture, I see Jesus extremely angry and also full of resolve about what he needs to do next. He's just rebuked the scribes and he's told them, you have forgotten your purpose. Your purpose is to serve God and to serve others, but instead you've turned this faith into a religious activity where you do it for your gain. You've turned it into your gain, some sort of thing where you can gain honor and power and authority from the people. And you go around and you do your religious activity and you wear your nice robes and you sit at the nice places at the feast. And you let other people greet you and you're taking money from people that you should be supporting and you pray these long prayers so that you can look impressive, and you think you're doing this for good purposes, and all you're receiving from God is condemnation. And then he goes into the temple, and he sees all these people doing this religious activity, and they're putting in large sums of money. And they think they're doing something important, and clearly people can see the money they're putting in and how much money they're putting in and how impressive it is. 
And then Jesus sees this widow. And if you see those two copper coins, two copper coins would be like, if you took 64 of those coins, that would make up one denarius. And one denarius is a day's wage. So like a day's wage, you work a day in the field to get one denarius. Well, 64 uh, copper coins would, would make up a day's wage. And this woman, her two copper coins was all she had. So she's incredibly poor, which tells you she's so poor that no one is taking care of her. It tells her that she's so poor that she doesn't have family to take care of her, that she's a widow and she doesn't have sons who can take care of her. She doesn't have family that can take care of her. And clearly the church is not taking care of her. She is someone where her money, her livelihood is being devoured by a church that doesn't care for her. And Jesus calls the disciples over and he says, I want you to see what's important. And you can see this, that they still, <clears throat> they still don't know what's important because they leave that building. And I believe Jesus is sitting there and he's decided, he's like, I know what I'm going to do. He's been talking about what he's supposed to do, but there's another resolve there of, I know what I'm going to do. And this widow is leading the way. This widow is laying down her life. This widow is giving up everything. This widow is entrusting her life into the hands of God. What little this widow has, she's laying down. Everybody else is doing their religious activity to gain something, to gain power, to gain influence, to gain control. But this widow is surrendering her life and entrusting her lives into the hands of God. And Jesus sees the way of the widow. And once again, he commits himself to the Father and embraces the fact that he will go the way of the widow. And he will sur surrender everything to reconcile us to God. Because as he walks out of that temple and one of the disciples says, oh, look at these beautiful stones and look how beautiful this temple is, Jesus says every stone is going to be torn down. This whole system, this whole structure, this religious activity, it's all going to be torn to the ground. Jesus knew that he was going to lay down his life, that he was going to literally take everything that he had his prosperity, everything he had, all that he had, and place it in the Father's hands. Just as the widow was taking everything she had, Jesus would take even more so his very life and place it in the hands of the Father. That in seeing the widow's offering, Jesus said, I will give my offering as well. I will give my very life. The widow there is like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know how to explain it except for that she is another beautiful prophetess who's beckoning Jesus to pursue the path of the cross, to lay it all down. And I can see Jesus sitting there or standing there in anger and frustration of what the house, the temple of God has become. Earlier, remember, he cleared out the temple because of the way they'd been treating uh money and the, the money changers and the way they've been treating foreigners and the way they've been just turned the house of prayer into a den of thieves. And now he's seeing all this religious activity that has nothing to do with the Father. And he sees one noble offering in the temple. And Jesus says, I'm going to build my kingdom on the way of the widow on people who surrender everything and entrust their lives into the hands of the Father. 
I want you. I want to show you just the contrast here between the scribes. I know I'm getting a little preachy today, but I am a pastor, so let me get preachy here. The scribes have these long robes. They love to be greeted. They want the best place in the synagogue, the best place at the feast. They devour the widow's houses. They have phony prayers and greater condemnation. Let's contrast that with the widow. A widow is defined by her need, even the very nature that she's a widow. In this culture, a widow will never have power or influence or control or honor. It's important to understand in our culture, as, as a woman, I mean, and I'm going to talk in terms of a woman, you, you still have the ability, although things are still stacked against you in our culture, but you still have the ability uh, as a widow and as a woman to be able to find income, to be able to find a job, to be able to find, uh, to gain something, to work and to change your position in life. In this culture, in the culture that Jesus is speaking to, this widow has no ability to gain honor. She has no ability to gain income. She has no, her, her ability to work up the ladder, To it's just she doesn't have that. She has no voice. She has no voice in the religious system. She can't go to the religious leaders and say, hey, I think we should do this different. She has no voice. As a woman, she has no voice. She's given no place to speak about the injustices. She is given no ladder to climb. It's important to understand this because the thing that she is doing there, the entrusting her life to God by, by giving this money, she is just purely doing it as an offering. There's nothing to gain. She's not doing this so she can get a better job. She's not doing this so she can be recognized by anyone and get a better position or a position in the church. There's no position to get. She's just purely offering her life to God. Which really is a sign that her offering is the most pure prayer anyone could give. And this is where it is a contrast to the prayer of the scribes. Scribes aren't even praying. They're just doing something for show. But she's giving purely as a prayer. Money is a prayer. When you give money, that's about your future. And she's saying, not only do I entrust my present life to you, but I entrust my future as well. And not for gain and not for power, but just because I love God. Now, now listen here. She's not been treated well by God at least in the eyes of a culture that might think God blesses those who serve him. She's a widow, which means God has not kept her husband alive. She's a poor widow, which means God has not provided family to take care of her. And she's so poor that these two coins are all that she has, which means God has not provided a church to provide for her. And yet here she is in the temple praising God by giving her best. Look at the contrast to the religious leaders. That she doesn't have a husband. She doesn't have a family to take care of her. Or if she does, they're not taking care of her. She doesn't have a church to take care of her. And yet here she is in the temple praising God by giving her best. That is the most authentic and pure and loving prayer someone could give, except for maybe what? Laying down their life. Jesus sees the offering of the widow. 
and he points the offering out to the disciples and says, here, this is what it's about. This woman, that's the way. That's the way. Peter, that's the way. John, that's the way. That's the way I want you to walk. Not for for fame, Peter. Not for fortune, Peter. It's just about you and the Father. Lay down your life. John, it's not for fame. It's not for fortune. Lay down your life. James, James, one of the first martyrs in the church. It's not for fame. It's not for fortune. Lay down your life. It's a question I have for myself. What am I doing? How much of what I do is really for some sort of praise or accolade or outcome where I get just a little bit more honor or just a little bit more respect or or just something to justify the worth of what I'm doing? Would I truly be able to do everything I do purely if there was no gain to it, if I was in the position of the widow? Would I truly lay down my life? Would I, would I truly give my best if I knew there was no benefit to me? Would I do this podcast if I knew there was no benefit? I'll tell you what I do with these things. I, I do this every week. I'm just, I just want to be honest with this. I don't, I don't, not that I'm lying to you earlier on, but I might have lied about the studio audience. They may not be here, but the rest is honest in this. I, I don't, I just don't want to be phony. I, I, here, here's the thing. I'll, I'll do a podcast. And I'll look at how many people will listen to it. And there's some podcasts that I've done that I think are really good. That I think people need to hear. And I'll want people to share it. And I'll see that maybe 100 or 120 people have listened. And I know that's incredible that 120 people would listen to that. But I'll be frustrated. And especially when I'll see some celebrity Christian who thousands of people read their books and listen to them, and I listen to the things they say, and honestly, I'll be like, it's just kind of not that interesting and not that deep, and because they wrote a book, and I, I, I'm just being really honest. I'll just, this is what I do. I'm not. You can judge me, but I just think it doesn't make any sense, God. There's no, there's no corollary between knowledge and fame, and and who, what gets read and doesn't get read, and. I just, I don't understand it. And so then I'll, I'll be like, oh, you know, it just maybe this will be the one where more people will, will read it or listen to it or share it. And then instead of appreciating who does listen to it and responds and gives me feedback, I, I get frustrated and disgruntled because only 120 people or only 200 people. And I know that sounds bad. Some of you are like saying, well, I only had 20 people. Or you're listening right now and you're saying, well, what about me, Doug? Do I matter? You know, here, here you are wanting other people, but what about me? And I get, I get how selfish that sounds. But it gets worse. And I'll, and I'll tell you how it gets worse. Because I can say this way. I want people to hear this word because it's good and it'll change lives and it's important. And I can say that. I can say, and I do believe that there's things that, that I do. Every show, I believe, can change lives and help people. But I don't know if that's my motivation. Honestly, if you get to the heart of it, my motivation is fame. It's ego petting. I don't, I don't know if it's fortune, but enough like, yeah, you know, I could sell a few more books and be able to, you know, survive and, and not have to worry about things when I'm older and, and, 
And survive's even a bad word because I'm surviving. I'm not starving here. I'm not in a widow's mite situation. But if I get right down to it, there's a part of it. What I, what I really am wanting is I want to I want to be like that other person. I want to be validated like that that celebrity. I I, I want to be validated like that other person. There's, the motivation behind it is I want to be able to say I didn't sell just a thousand books. I sold five thousand books. And isn't that impressive? Because I'm a self published person. I did that in a year. Or I want to be able to I want to be able to tell the miracle story so people can say, Wow, that's really impressive. And I know some of you might go, Oh boy, Doug, that's really disturbing. You would say that, but I believe there's others out there. When you get to the intention of your hearts, you know that's the struggle, isn't it? That tension that you have, that there's the validation of the ego and the, the need for the worth issues and the, the wanting to be known and the wanting to be liked and the wanting to be accepted. And then there's the ministry issue where you do think what you're doing has value and purpose and it's good and God's put it on your heart. And there's the conflict and there's the, there's the challenge, between, you know, the tension between those two things. When I look at the widow's might here, I see the way for me. I see the way, and I've, it's always been the way, and the Lord has always graciously and with, with much kindness and which, with much gentleness come to me and, and called me to this and said, Doug, are you willing to die? Are you willing to lay it down? Am I enough for you, Doug? Am I enough? Doug, am I enough for you? Is my presence enough for you? Is my, is my life and light enough for you? Was my death on the cross enough for you? Is my forgiveness enough for you? Is my grace enough for you? Is my spirit enough for you? Is relationship with me enough for you? Are you or do you still need something else? Is my salvation enough for you? Is eternal life enough for you? Is, the, is my goodness enough for you, or do you still need the praise and accolades of men? Look at the way of the widow. I just want you to ask some questions. This is what I've been asking myself. See, the way of the widow is not about her poverty. It's about her generosity. She was generous to give everything to God with no expectation of anything in return. That's the question I have for myself. How generous am I? Am I willing just to give it away and trust my life into the hands of God and trust my finances into the hands of God and trust my writing and trust this podcast and trust whatever it is, just entrust it. Just Lord, for you, for you, for you, for you. I trust you. I trust you. How sincere is my prayer life? It's one thing to say, Lord, I love you, and I love other people, and to pray. It's another thing to put your money where your mouth is. <laughs> Just to say, I, I give you, I give you the two copper coins of my life. Because whatever you have in life, it's just two copper coins. And am I willing to say, you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I don't care what comes. I don't need anything else but you. I often say this, that what we do should have value in the doing. That means I'm not doing something for a future payoff. I'm not coming to the temple treasury and I'm not throwing in my money so that people can say, wow, look at how much he gave. I'm not throwing in my money so that I can receive a blessing tomorrow. I'm just doing it because it has value. The moment I do it, it's like, praise God. 
that was worth doing. How much of, of my life is like that? Where I can say, praise God. Glad I did the show. Glad I preached this sermon. Glad I'm pastoring this church. Glad I'm living this life. Glad I'm giving this to you, Lord. I don't need anything in return. The way of the widow. Are you willing to entrust your life into the hands of God? That's what I'm working at. This is not a story of like, and I got it all figured out because I don't think I do and I don't think I will. I appreciate you. I appreciate you listening. It matters. I'm sorry when I've overlooked you. You're listening right now. I'm sorry when I've looked at those numbers and said, oh boy, I wish I had more. I'm really sorry. I'm sorry that I haven't appreciated those of you who've come along and I'm sorry. I know that's been selfish. Thank you for, for listening and for reading and being a part of my life. Thank you for your encouragement. And I want to thank you for what you're doing. And I want to encourage you to keep offering your life to the Lord. Because this story is about Jesus seeing what we're doing. God sees your offering. God knows what you're doing. He sees the worth of your life. Let him show his pleasure to you. All right. Okay. Hey, thanks for listening. That was cool. Okay. Hey, uh, a couple things. I have a book, The Community of God, A Theology of the Church from a Reluctant Pastor. You can pick that up on Amazon. You can also go to my website, fairlyspiritual.org. I'd love for you to interact with me. I got lots of podcasts and different things there. Uh, Also, you can follow me on Twitter at Fairly Spiritual. This song is by my brother, Dan Bursch. You can buy his music on iTunes. All right, make room for the Lord. I will see you next time. They say that I cannot do what you've called me to. It is not possible, unattainable. I will never see it through. But you've spoken by your word. Your Holy Spirit's leading me. You are my dreams with you.